Welcome to the For the Church Podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. And I'm here as always with my friend, my colleague, and my co-host, Ross Ferguson, academic advisor, rock tour. <laughs> okay. No-nonsense vibe and boy-next-door charm. I don't know how to do both of those things together. But. Well, they work. It's a good, it's a potent combination. Hey, I have a question for you. Okay. Recently, you posted that you had a couple of months off. Yeah. Well, maybe not off, but you were yeah. a, a bit less busy. What did you do in your couple of months downtime? Oh, man. You know what I did? A lot of nothing. <laughs> a lot of exercise, honestly. A lot of exercise and a lot of rest. Yeah. I've been doing a lot more reading and seeing a lot of movies with yeah. my wife. Yeah. Best movie this summer? The best movie of the summer is a little movie called Past Lives. Okay. Have you heard of it? No. Yeah. It's a great little film. In fact, there was a good review at TGC not too long ago. Brett McCracken did. Sweet little movie. You think it's going to go one way? I was really anxious. Like I went in thinking, oh, they're probably going to do what most of these type movies do. It's a a woman. She's a, a Korean woman who had a childhood friend, a male friend. It was kind of childhood love sort of thing. And then her family immigrated to Canada, and she grew up in Canada. And she reconnected with him like 12 years later. They kind of hit it off over the Internet. And then 12 years, another 12 years passed. So 24 years passed. She's a grown woman now. She's married to someone else. And this past, you know, love guy, the childhood friend guy shows back up. Yep. And he comes to visit. They live in, in New York now. And he comes to visit, and they spend a couple of days together, and the whole thing is like, this is a pat, you know. Where every other movie would go is not where this movie goes. And it was just really good. It's sweet. It's tender. It's very well acted. Mm -hmm. I felt like it was very true to life, so it wasn't, even in the decision that it made, it felt realistic. Yeah, it was just really good. I watched recently, I can't remember what was on, a film called Swimmers. Oh, okay. Uh, it's based on Syrian refugees huh. and their journey to hope and swimming is part of that story. Interesting. Like, I can't say it share too much because actually okay. it does give away the story. Yeah. But really, I mean, low budget film and um, not you know if we're critiquing the film not the best in terms of uh, some elements of it made but the story of it is based on a true story it's based on two people real life people their real life refugee story really incredible actually to watch um interesting so yeah i would recommend it It, it's not for the faint-hearted because it is dealing with a real life situation swimmers swimmers yeah you know what's interesting about past lives is um it's making a lot of critics best of the year so far and it's already I mean it's kind of early to talk about like Oscars and things but most people are like this is an Oscar nomination and I find that interesting because I would think more of the mainstream type critics would would be be. disappointed with how it ended you know won awards as well and and this was like a couple of years ago it came out but it's won several awards and it was uh, I think it was at Cannes it got like a four minute standing ovation oh yeah well they do that with every movie though (laughs) They did that with the new Indiana Jones standard uh, yeah, Have I've you seen it. the new Indiana Jones? I haven't yet. Have you? It's good. Is it good? It is I good. I kind of gave up on the series. But so. I'll be honest. I went in with a very low bar because okay. I thought he's 98 years old now. <laughs> 
And he looked old in Crystal Skull, which was 15 years ago. I think it was 15. I mean, he's 84, I think he is. Yes. So so I thought, oh, it's either going to be a lot of CGI, Mm -hmm. it's not really him, stunt double-y stuff, or he's just going to be the funny sidekick and the woman is going to be the main hero because she's younger and scrappy or whatever. I was wrong on both counts. Okay. They as good a job as they could have done with the fact that he's not a young man anymore. Yeah. They did, and I thought it was enjoyable. Some people are trashing it. I actually liked Crystal Skull. A lot of people hated that one. I at, when it came out, it was clearly the, the worst Indiana Jones movie. I didn't think it was better than any of the three that came out before, but uh, but I liked it, and I actually rewatched it recently after I saw the new Indiana Jones. I thought, let me go back and watch Crystal Skull again. It's good. There's some cheesy stuff in there, uh, but there's cheesy stuff in every, yeah, yeah. except maybe for the very first one. There's some cheesy stuff yeah. in, in in every Indiana Jones. I just like Indiana Jones. It was good. And as a last hurrah, I, I'm not going to spoil anything, but where they go, because you're watching this movies, every Indiana Jones movie has some kind of, I, I call it woo-woo moment. It's uh, <laughs> the supernatural, paranormal, yeah, something. Crazy, yeah, spiritual, yeah. something. There's a... And this movie, like, you're waiting for a long time, and I'm like, I know the woo's coming. And then it comes, and that's where a lot of people jumped off, like, oh, how could they? And I'm like, have you not seen the previous movies? When that moment comes, it actually felt metaphorical for the Indiana Jones franchise to me. And I can't explain why without giving it away, so I'm not going to do that. But I thought, there's actually a level to this Mm. that's really thoughtful, I think. And I think almost kind of a... An upbraiding of, crit- of of overly critical people, okay. Because we're in a, a phase of movie going where fanboys, you know, a fanboy is a fanboy when they hate the thing that they're a fan of. Yes, I'm not a huge fan of the whole Star Wars enterprise. Yeah, but it seems to me like the auth- authenticity of someone's Star Wars fandom is that they hate Star Wars hate now. <laughs> and Mar and it's turning that way into everything. So now I'm like these people who hate every Indiana Jones movie. I'm like. No, they're not all great, and they're not all as good as the other ones, but that doesn't mean they're terrible. So you love Christian movies, then? No, that's... <laughs> <laughs> By your theory. Jesus Revolution, I like that one. Hey, that's coming out on Netflix. Is it? I think... Yeah. I think it was Netflix. They were saying okay. it's just about to be released, so that if you haven't thing seen it, make sure you get a seen it. a load of money. So I rediscovered my love for Indiana okay. Jones, which is a good segue into our topic today, yeah. which is rediscovering love for the Bible. Here's the idea behind this. I thought maybe we could talk about some milestones in our life or just turning points in our life where we saw the Bible with new eyes or we came with a a fresher. Our time in the Word was refreshed in some way. Maybe we could talk about that as we work through some different words of advice. So I've got some, you know, a, a list of things like how can you maybe rediscover your love yeah. for the Bible? I'm, I'm excited about this topic because I feel like there was a very key moment in my life where mm. things changed. Yeah, what happened? So this was at a new church, and it was a, a kind of Bible teaching situation. And I just asked the question, maybe 50 people in the room, hands up if you've read your Bible today. And no hands went up. So, okay, hands up if you read your Bible this week. Maybe three or four hands went up. Hands up if you read your Bible this month. And again, we maybe got to seven hands. And it dawned on me that here we are coming to church every week. Here I am preaching every week, doing ministry, 
saying we believe this and just about 10% of this church is actually reading their Bible. Hmm. Something was not right yeah. in my eyes. So I, I set the challenge, that, and, I, and I worked with it myself, that we would, as a church, read through the Bible in a year. And it wasn't going to be this just arbitrary thing that we would put at the bottom of the bulletin, that we would actively do this. And that every couple of days, I would post a, a devotional of just how I felt my reading had been over the previous few days. What did I learn? What stood out to me? And so we started this and we said, you know, if you get to the end, we'll even do like a little ceremony in church and, you know, we'll celebrate that we've read through the Bible together. So we did it throughout the year. And and to be honest, it felt like a hard slog. You know, uh, we started with like maybe 30 people and we ended with only about six people actually completing the whole thing. And we actually did a little thing in church where we did gifts and things like that. But the end of that year of reading through scripture, it dawned on me how actually scripture has final authority over all matters. I was finding that my life was becoming lighter, not heavier, because mm-hmm. actually every day I was building on the knowledge that Peter talks about, you know, build on knowledge and, and these yeah. things get added. And so that actually started a six-year process of reading through the Bible every day, whole Bible in a year for six years in a row. And over uh, time, we developed this devotional that actually for two years in a row at my previous church, I posted a daily devotional podcast. So we would read, we did chronological order. So as it happened, uh, so to speak, and every day I would post a 10 minute podcast on, hey, this is what I saw in this passage. This is what challenged me. Let's pull all this together and let's like try this today. Yeah. And so for two years, we did that. And again, we started with just a handful of people. By the end of that two years, there was a couple of hundred people on that program and any any church I went to, I passed them the daily Bible reading program. And to, even to this day, I still get messages from people saying, I've just completed my third year. Here's my book. And they show the ticks and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was just that moment. And it was very much a, a Holy Spirit moment of God kind of showing me something within the church, within my own life that here we are saying, like we are staking our lives on this. That's right. And we have no clue what we're staking our lives on because we're not actually going through God's word. Yeah. And so that that spurred my preaching. My preaching switched from, you know, I'll take a couple of chapters and let's take this topic to let me take a few verses and let's walk through them together. I went from series that were like four or five sermons long to 50 sermons long because we were delving into God's word. And for me now, actually, scripture reading and study of scripture Honestly, it's, it's one of the, the greatest things I think we get to do as Christians. And what's amazing is we learn something new every year. For three years in a row, I read the Genesis account, you know, uh, as you do at the beginning of the year in January. And then it was the fourth year it dawned on me. There's, I uh, don't know how you pronounce it, the Tigris or the Tigris River. Uh, the Tigris River appears in the Garden of Eden in Genesis. It appears uh, in Daniel stands on the edge of the Tigris River to see the visions he sees. It appears in Revelation at the end of all times and I'm sitting there going okay I don't know what this means but the river <laughs> is at the beginning it's in the yeah. middle and it's at the end I don't know uh, we even joked with somebody maybe we need to do the theology of rivers but it was one of those <laughs> tiny little details it took me four years hmm. to see a river turn up in three different locations in scripture so I just wonder what am I going to see in five years ten years fifteen years I just didn't spot before Yeah. so I, as you can tell I'm quite passionate about this but it was that specific moment I can tell you it was in North Dakota it was I think maybe my fourth week in this church and it was just that almost lightning bolt God moment of this is your ministry Yeah. get people reading my word you know the word doesn't change 
but it is living yes. and active. Therefore, you see new you things. You see new things all the time. Uh, I think what we're talking about here is in some way trying to disrupt the familiarity yes. that sometimes comes about, uh, the rut. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with the word, but maybe something, some of the way we approach it or some of the method or, or yeah, some, some angle – or circumstance needs to be adjusted on our part so that our eyes are a little more clear to see certain things. So the first word of advice that I put is maybe reading some new voices alongside the Bible. As I looked back and thought, okay, what are some moments where I just felt like, oh, man, warp speed. It was almost like I got juiced in some way. My love for God's Word was reinvigorated. And the first thing I thought of was like reading certain voices that unlocked certain things for me or gave me a lens that I didn't have before. So I can think back to like 17, 16, 17 years ago, reading N.T. Wright stuff on the historical Jesus. You know, you need to be discerning about some of the the voices that you listen to. If you're not sure, is this a voice, you know, a new voice I should pay attention to? Maybe talk to your pastors. You know, I'm not wholesale agreeing with everything that N.T. Wright's ever written and taught, but his stuff on the resurrection and the historic, you know, historicity of the Gospels and the historical Jesus was like super helpful to me. Things that I'm reading the Gospels now. With new eyes, I read his book, The Challenge of Jesus, his big trilogy, Jesus, New Testament and the People of God, Jesus and the Victory of God, and the Resurrection of the Son of God. Reading those sorts of books, and then there was a a book that he wrote called The Original Jesus, which was kind of for more popular audiences, kind of works through the four Gospels. And I just remember reading that and going... I've been reading the Gospels since I was, yeah. you know, since I could read, and I feel like I'm reading them for the first time. Yeah. It just opened my eyes to so much yeah. depth and substance there. It, you know, he puts you in the geographic location in a way that I hadn't encountered before. It was a similar thing reading when I first sort of began listening to and reading John Piper, mm-hmm. the way that he sort of – his uh, exegetical – approach, sort of almost dissecting, looking yeah. at little pieces, and that wasn't something, you know, that I was accustomed to either, you know, uh, to look at on almost the molecular level yes. of phrases and clauses and those sorts of things. That was revolutionary yeah. for me. A couple of weeks ago, after after the service I had just preached at Liberty, one of our members came up to me, and because of the recent passing of Tim Keller, he'd never read any Tim Keller. Mm-hmm. So he said, I started reading some Tim Keller, you know, inspired by all the, you know, words of commendation after his passing. And he's reading The Prodigal God, yeah. oh, and which is the classic, you know, and it and he just was so appreciative of it. And I just remember reading yeah. for the – like I was jealous of his experience because I remember reading The Prodigal God for the first time and going – it's like the most famous parable yeah. just about the prodigal son. But you read The Prodigal God or you hear Keller, you know, lecture on it and you're like – I've never yeah. encountered this before. It yeah. just it reinvigorates your love. Yeah. I you mean, know? talking about you, you were kind of suggesting like books and things. Let me talk about like different mediums you can use that that I've found over time. So, again, there was, this was a particular moment, maybe two and a half, three years ago, where life was just very stressful in a ministry position where the ministry was growing and it just felt like a lot of pressure, and I was struggling to sleep. I've always struggled to sleep, and it's just something that kind of rears its head every so often. 
So I downloaded the Dwell app. Okay, yeah. And one of the things the Dwell app does is basically speak scripture. That's all it is. They just read scripture. But there's different voices, so therefore different kind of accents, different tones. But also it will group verses together or group things together. And I remember specifically there was one that said scripture for comfort. And I would just click play, and this kind of soft, gentle voice would literally just read out scripture that, that are kind of comforting passages and I would fall asleep within five minutes. It was just one of those things of the gentle voice, hearing God's word, being reminded of the promises of God to comfort you, to, to hold you, to keep you. Then there was other ones that was like scripture for, for exercise, scripture to encourage, you know, all these types of ones. And I just remember, again, that's something similar of it just opened my eyes to when I read scripture, I read it in a harsh Scottish accent, usually quite <laughs> fast, usually looking for detail. But just lying down with your eyes closed and having someone softly speak gentle words of Christ. Do you know that when we, you know, when we hear like the verse, suffer the little children, and you yeah. can hear people <laughs> preach it. Right. But imagine that being gently spoken, you know, suffer the little children to me. You know, that kind of gentle word. It opened my eyes to tone. Now, I think you have to be careful because I, we don't know the tone. We weren't there. We don't know yeah, how yeah. it was said. But I think we also have to get outside of our tone and our mental way of reading something and hear it in a different tone and so that really helped me the other one I know that helped my mother when she was doing the reading program is she read aloud even though she was alone it helped keep her concentration she found herself you know learning how to pronounce words but also it just helped her kind of walk through the passage and that's something we've seen with our own children we've been trying to encourage them a little bit more to read aloud not just read silently but read aloud just because it engages them in a very different way and there's actually been a couple of times where when our kids have read aloud they've paused and just went hang on sorry let me just read that again Mm. because as they've been reading they've realized i'm just reading words i want to actually know the story yeah it's good so again just Bible reading and rediscovering your Bible isn't just open your big black Bible and just start reading. It's actually finding ways that keeping the scripture exactly as it is, but finding new ways. And I don't use the Dwell app anymore. I feel like that was a season in my life that I really needed it. But don't be scared to to just kind of flex a little bit on how you're reading the Bible. Yeah, that's one of my points was Maybe change how you read. Yeah. If you're in a rut of Bible intake, is there another form of Bible intake? So I did the read through the Bible plan, you know, a few times every year, and then you know, and different plans, McShane's plan, and uh, I think NavPress has a plan, and the Navigators have a plan. I did different ones like that, and got to the point where like I really want to change this yeah. up, and you know, then moved on to almost a, a grazing kind of. You know, now my morning reading is I alternate Old and New Testament books. I just go to a passage. It's almost like Bible roulette. <laughs> I'm just kind of this is where I want to be. I'm going to be here, and I'm just going to read till I'm somewhat you know awake and you know am processing. And something has ministered to me. That's been really helpful. I'll probably change up again. Maybe go back to something more structured, more formal in 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 the next season. You know, but if you found it that the routine has mm-hmm. become almost like a droning experience. 
you know, maybe change the routine? Is yeah. there a different way? Maybe you want to do an audio yep. type thing. Maybe you want to read out loud to yourself. Maybe there's a different plan, a different approach. Maybe there's a devotional Bible. Maybe there's commentary approach. Maybe, you know, instead of reading big chunks, you read smaller passages or vice versa. There's a variety of things you can do just to kind of jar yourself. Yeah. In fitness, they talk about like the shocking, right? That yeah. sometimes your body goes into a kind of plateau because your workout routine is the exact same every day for yeah. and that works for a while and then you need to somehow shock your body mix things up do the cardio first or do this last or whatever it is yeah. and i think sometimes our brain needs to kind of be disrupted a little bit on the flip side though i would also encourage because i think that works i also think another thing works which is having the same place in the same time in the same chair the same bible there's something about the discipline something yeah about the discipline. So, yeah. so my wife tends to be somebody that wakes up earlier she sits on usually on the patio if it's nice inside on the sofa she'll open her bible and she'll read that's her time of the day for me it tends to be first thing when i wake up and i'm okay using my phone i know some people are not, um, i not do the same, same thing yeah but uh, again in times past i've also had a specific chair that i sit in it has my highlighters next to it my bible <laughs> ready and there's just something like going to meet god on a daily basis there's something about that so there yes there's something about that shock thing of right let's do it this is an odd time but let's go for it but there's also something about that daily not to be cheesy about it but that daily meeting with god in that chair and if you have family children that's also a great witness to them because they see you in that chair and they know yeah. you're spending time with God. Uh, for, for another kind of thing that I would encourage people on is simple questions. So I think a lot of people get a little bit scared, nervous, frustrated even with Bible study, Bible reading when they don't understand things and they feel like they have to grasp everything. So especially in some Old Testament passages, they, they feel they have to grasp everything or New Testament revelation, I have to understand how end times, you know, there, there, there's this almost pressure to gain knowledge. Well, just ask yourself some basic questions. And I, I'm talking real basic. Where do I see God in this passage? What am I struggling to understand? Is there any words I don't grasp? How would today be different now I've read this passage? Just nice, simple questions, but just makes you think. And so one of the things that I challenged myself on years and years ago now is, where do I see Jesus in this passage? Now, there's some guys that are proponents of that you can't see Jesus in the Old Testament or read him into it. I'm off the ilk of, actually, you can see Christ all the way through Scripture. Yeah. You, can, you can make a jump to Who is it? The Spurgeon that says, you know, jump the hedge and run towards wherever you need to do it. <laughs> <laughs> to, to see Jesus. That's right. And so that was the question I was asking. So basic questions, you know, where do I see Christ in Ruth chapter 1? Where am I seeing Christ in Esther chapter 5? In Psalm 102, where am I seeing Jesus? Just a simple question. And sometimes it was like, yeah, I can't quite see something, so I'm going to ponder that through the day. And then you kind of come back to the passage yeah. and read it. So my encouragement to you is, there are some guys you're going to need commentaries, deep questions, and there's some that you're just going to need to sit there and go, where am I seeing Jesus in this passage? And if you don't, go and ask somebody, hey, I was reading this chapter. I was asking myself, where can I see Christ in this? Struggle to see it. Could you read the chapter and maybe point me in the right direction? And honestly, those simple questions make for incredible Bible studies. They really do. Yeah, I mean, it's just a basic rubric. What does this passage say about God? Yep. What does it say about man yep. or, or me? What does it say, you know, say about me? What does it say about the church? Yeah. Can be another question. And then what, what am I to do in response to this? What is this? 
you know, how should I respond to this passage? But the, the, the looking to Jesus or looking for Jesus, it was the single biggest leap for me. Yep, I agree. In in you know, love for God's word when I learned that the whole Bible is about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Spurgeon's word is every passage has a road yes. that leads to the great metropolis of Christ. When Jesus himself says on the road to Emmaus that, you know, everything, beginning with the law and the prophets, he interpreted everything about himself. He's saying it's about him. Every time he's opening up an Old Testament text for them, just the scriptures, and saying, today this is fulfilled in your hearing, he's orienting everything around himself. The book of Hebrews is telling us that the, that the whole Old Testament is about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So the whole Bible is about Jesus. When and I didn't grow up knowing that. I grew up hearing the Bible, being taught the Bible, reading the Bible. It wasn't until I was a younger man that it, I learned the whole Bible is about Jesus. Yeah. Even if his name isn't there, it's yeah. about him. And so one of the questions invariably became, and it just re, like I'm seeing old passages, familiar passages with brand new eyes. The question is, where is Jesus in this? Yeah. How does this point to him, prophesy him, yep. speak of him? Um, how does he satisfy this? How do, you know, what problem does this present that he's the solution to? And I noticed this with my children's ministry workers at, at my last church in particular. When I taught this shift in the church and began to preach every Sunday, every passage culminates in Christ, the chil- we changed our children's ministry curriculum when they began to teach. I noticed sort of this r- quiet revival among yeah. the ministry workers. So not only are the kids getting something brand new instead of, you know, moralistic type approaches to things, a Christ-centered approach to things, they're coming to me going, I've been teaching this same passage for you know 20 years of children's ministry, and I feel like I'm seeing it for the first time. I'm like, yes, I know. That's what it's all about. Seeing Jesus in the passage is what the Bible's about. You're fine. I mean, that's what it is. Yep. It's not just about becoming more religious, more quote unquote spiritual, getting you know a leg up on life, inspiration. The Bible can give you all of that, but the number one thing it communicates to us is the glory of Jesus. And so, if you're not looking yep. for that. You're kind of missing the point. Yeah. That's where the refreshing is Absolutely. in Jesus. There's a, a film, it's a Christian film, called Overcomer, and it's about running. Not to give the, the whole story away, but there's a scene at the end where a father that's in hospital wants to coach his daughter who's in a running race, and he records his advice so that when she's running, she can play that. Okay. And it's things like, you know, as you're coming up to the hill now, and so he's timed it to the race. You know, as you're coming up to the hill, your legs are going to be beginning to burn. Okay, push harder. Okay, it's the last 100 meters. I have no more advice apart from I love you. You know, there's, there's this whole kind of uh, monologue of, of him talking over this race. And I feel like that is the picture of Scripture, and it's Christ. It's we are running this race, as Paul says, in this world. And Scripture is that daily hey, you're, you're coming up for that trial, and this is Jesus speaking to us. I want you to know that for 600 years, my people were unfaithful in this. I, be, I believe that, you know, I'm with you, and you will lean into me. Here's my spirit to help you. And I feel like it's a, we talk about, you know, people throw it about, you know, a crutch to lean on, or it's a rule book to follow. I feel like it's Jesus in our ear every day going, yeah. Here's where I've been for thousands of years since the beginning of time. And again, that's where the Dwell app kicked in for me as well. But I, w- I want to say if you're finding Scripture just dull, I want you to just get into your head that the very Son of God 
has given you these words and they are relevant for you in this moment. Like grasp that, that, that the son of God who was willing to die that cruel death for you, who has set you free to live this life, now daily has something to share with you. And there's just something really special. I think I, I find it easier because I lost my dad younger to imagine that. If my dad was with me, what mm. bits of advice would he be giving me now? How would he teach me to shave? You know, all this sort of stuff as I've grown up. I feel like that's with scripture. If Christ was actually standing next to me, these are the things he would be saying to me. Uh, we've done a podcast on church members meetings. You know, it'd be that little voice uh, of Christ sitting next to you kind of going, be gentle, brother. Yeah. You know, love them. They're my people. I'm sorry they're behaving like, you know, it's that, it just, it's hard to sometimes even describe what it means to read God's word and think, Jesus has said this for me. It's a part of the conversation, and I call it the divine dialogue. It's part of the conversation of being friends with God. Yes. He speaks to you through his word. You speak to him in prayer. And that dialogue is how you converse with the God of the universe. Which is incredible. You open up this book, and it's a burning bush moment. He's talking to you. Uh, he's not giving you the silent treatment. His yeah. word is there. And George, when you've been written off in your sin, yeah. and that's the incredible thing to mm. me is that what The book we, doesn't lock up. You can we, still— Exactly. Yeah, what yeah. we tend to do is, oh, I can't read Scripture. I've been sinful. Yeah. Now. God's going to know. Well, you know, newsflash, he already knows, yeah. and his word is clear. He is faithful and just to forgive your sins. Come to him, read that Scripture again, and guess what? He's going to be sitting right there ready to remind you of those the ac- promises. The access to the throne room yeah. is as close as— pulling up that app or opening up that book. George Herbert said the Bible is heaven laid flat. It's like you're opening up the window into the other world every time you open up that little book. Any other words of advice? Uh, The only uh, other thing I was thinking of that I noted down is if you're currently not reading Scripture, you know, a a Bible in the Year program feels daunting. I definitely would recommend it. Um, A verse of the day feels stale for you. If if you're just in the world of it means nothing, Read something. Mm. So this is something I, I recommend to people. Don't just go, oh, it's not doing it for me, and then back off. Do something. A verse a day. Pick a chapter. You know, I'm going to read Matthew 10, and I'm going to read it one verse a day for the next so many days. Or read something smaller. Philemon is one chapter. Ruth, four chapters. You know, just read something smaller. Build the story up a little bit. I do that with preaching. I preach something smaller before I preach something bigger. You know, just start small. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Just do it gently. You know, if you're somebody that loves, you know, the, the outdoors and you haven't been reading your Bible recently, read the creation narrative, the first two chapters, and just sit there in awe of what God has done. If you're someone that's in a working world, read some of, you know, the Apostle Paul's letters and see his ministry and his crazy busyness and he's all over the place. <laughs> you know, if you're somebody that's shy and timid, read the book of Ruth and the faithfulness of that. If you're somebody that knows you're on the cusp of something that needs to change in your life, read the book of Esther and, and the boldness that it takes to, to step into faith. I guess what I'm saying is if you're not reading, then read. And I don't really <laughs> mind what you're reading in scripture or what style, a Bible in a year, verse a day, dwell app, you know, read out loud, read silently, just start reading because I promise you God will be in that moment as you're reading. And if you keep pressing into that, and that's my last bit, be accountable. Tell somebody, Mm. I haven't really been enjoying reading my Bible. I'm going to start again. Would you pray for me? 
And I've got several people that I message every so often and say, hey, what were you reading today? I'm not trying to chide you, but if you haven't read, yeah. here's my recommendation. Read this chapter. Fantastic. You know, but just keep pressing into it. it. It's not a rule thing. We're not saying you must read your Bible. I'm saying you get to read your Bible. Yeah, right, right. My last sort of advice is somewhat of a bold, it's kind of transgressive. No. I'm going to throw it out there is maybe think about changing your translation. Oh. Which I know people get so married to their favorite Bible translation. And I, I have, have my favorite. Oh, well, I, I do too, kind of. But we, we our church switched several years ago. I mean, it's probably almost 10 years ago by now. From ESV to CSB. And I have, and so if you're preaching and teaching at Liberty Baptist Church, you use the CSB, Christian Standard Bible. And that pushed me personally to begin to shift gradually. I didn't all of a sudden throwing out my ESVs, but I began to shift. Okay, I'm going to start preaching some of the time outside when I'm preaching outside the church. I'm going to start using the CSB more. I'm going to start reading from the CSB a little bit more in my writing. I'm going to start using it a little bit more so I can kind of acclimate to it because that's the the translation that our church, our community is using as their standard translation. I'm now at the point, you know, almost 10 years later, where I'm like 90%. Uh, now, my very morning Bible reading is ESV, mainly because the app is, is what I use, yeah. and it's so much easier and cleaner than the CSB app. Yeah. But everything else, my books, unless I'm with a publisher that says, you've got to use this translation, I use the CSB in my public preaching, unless the church says, hey, we only use this, I'm preaching from the CSB. And it has given me a different mm -hmm. angle. It's given me different eyes on very familiar texts. Now, when you're used to a particular translation, you end up with favorite renderings, and that's true in this case as well. There's not every you know, translation choice that the CSB's made that I favor more than ESV. Uh, in particular, my nitpick is the CSB doesn't use the word behold. That drives me nuts. I love the word behold. They always translate it as look or see, something like that. But in general... I'm looking at familiar passages that I've memorized, and now it's like, oh, it's like I'm yeah. seeing it for the first time. It's different wording. It's a little, oh, do I like this? Do I like And I'm not going to go off on the benefits of the CSB. Yeah. I think there's some advantages that it has over the ESV, particularly for a church and its readability. But beyond that, just maybe you're a CSB guy, you should check out the ESV or NIV or... Maybe looking at different translation. I know it's transgressive because right now there's people going, I would never give up my NASB, you know, or whatever. But I've noticed that, like, when I have certain verses memorized and, you know, and, and I can't find it, it's, you know, in a Bible app or on Bible Gateway, it's because I'm in a different translation and it's yeah. because, oh, I grew up with the NASB. Yeah. And then I've been. I spent 20 years or whatever in the ESV, and so those are the ones that have kind of locked in. Yep. Now the Bible's like feels new in yep. some way because I've changed the translation. Not, not everybody's going to do that, but it's just one option you, you might want to look at. You also need to jump the whole way. Like you said, you spent yeah. 10 years. Why don't you in your daily Bible reading, you know, you seek to read 10 verses a day? Have two translations yeah. and just know any changes, know any differences. I'm not saying one translation is better than the other. I'm just yeah. saying sometimes, as you say, is that 
almost shock tactic of, oh, that word is translated differently. Now, if you are somebody that studied in biblical languages, right. you might want to then take your Bible study into why are these words differently or go and ask somebody about it. But just as you say, I grew up with the NIV. I made the switch to the ESV and I've stayed with the ESV the whole time. The CSB, again, with church, that's made me challenged to think about things differently. I'm still very much a firm ESV, guys, but I chop and change sometimes with Bible reading just to... Yeah. To now, of course, of our co- you know, my colleagues here, Dr. Chipman and others would say, yeah, the original languages, that's how you're going to rediscover your love for the Word yeah. of God is actually learn the Hebrew and the Greek. Somebody once described, somebody, I don't think it was Dr. Chipman, but one of the, the profs here, described learning the languages is like if you don't know the the original languages reading the bible is like kissing your wife through the veil <laughs> to learn the original languages is like lifting the veil you actually yeah. get to kiss your wife for the first time which you I, know I get take that as I get as you I may support because I, mean, I studied hebrew for the last uh, year and i get and i do support that i also think your average church member it's very the average listener to this podcast yep. probably is not doing that but it's an option for you there's lots of helps out there if you can where you can on your own you know there's audio apps and there's books and workbooks that's another thing maybe you could do Anything else? Nope. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I hope this podcast has helped people kind of refresh and rediscover uh, a love for the Bible. Um, If you enjoy the podcast, dear listener, please give us a good review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your Bible reading and in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast. Hosted by Jared Wilson, Managing Editor of For the Church. Found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.